Welcome back to Radio X Off the Record, a podcast produced by NSU's Radio X. I'm Jamari, although most of you may know me as DJ Flacky on 88.5 FM. And I'm Horacia, also known as DJ Black Lotus, coming to you from our own home studios. This week, we're speaking with NSU international student James Moss to hear his perspective and his concerns in regards to some of the upcoming changes we'll be seeing this fall semester. We'll also be discussing the Kid Cudi and Eminem single, The Adventures of Moon Man and Slim Shady on Music Release Radar, before diving into an exclusive interview with Episode 4's previous Radio X top artist, Austin Riddle. For Shark News this week, we're speaking with James Moss from Nova Southeast University's Fort Lauderdale campus, who is currently studying marine bio as part of the Halmos College of National Science and Oceanography. He is also currently a senior and our very own production engineer for the Radio X office as part of the student media department. So James, of course, to start off, I just want to know what are your thoughts on schools reopening for the fall semester amid the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, honestly, I think it's kind of a risky situation because as I've heard or seen on the news, the cases aren't going down. They're kind of going up in the United States. And I think reopening it without any, let's say, like precautions kind of will lead to more cases rising and more disaster. That's a great point that you brought up. In in Florida particularly, there have been a rise in even record-breaking cases. There's been more deaths as well as individuals who have contracted the virus. And to paint an even better picture of what you're going through, what are some obstacles specifically that international students like yourself are going through right now? Well, I would say uh, right now, a lot of international students, like as you said, are going through a lot of obstacles. I know one of the obstacles that I've faced, I knew that uh, when I came home, I, I came home to avoid like America and all the disaster that was going on because everyone was panicking about the pandemic and everyone didn't know what to do. And a lot of things were going crazy at the time. So I came home to avoid all of that and kind of handle this pandemic in a, in a more calm manner. So much to my dismay, when I heard that, oh, international students may not be able to come back to the United States, I kind of got afraid because I thought to myself that, huh, I spent three years towards a marine biology degree. And now I'm getting these rumors saying that, oh, I can't go back. And then after that, like, I felt fair for like, I would say a couple months. And then when I heard that, like the university came back, They started uh, reaching out to international students, explaining the situation, ensuring us that we can come back. So that kind of made me feel okay. And I'm pretty sure that made a lot of other international students feel at least a little bit better. But then there was the whole, there was the whole debacle of how uh, students, like international students whose colleges are going primarily uh, online or focusing just on online classes and having no in-person classes at all, those international students would be forced to return back to their home country. And I know a lot of friends from the Bahamas who go to America to study, and I knew a lot of them were freaking out because they did not want to come back home. 
because either their home is a very like like just a non-opportunistic place just like a not a good place for them to come back to right now or maybe some international students who don't want to return to their home country because their home country is even is in an even worse state than america is right now so just hearing that news kind of freaked me out just freaked me out because i was afraid for all the other international students who currently reside in the United States now. But uh, it was a good thing that uh, I heard from the news that whole debacle was silenced. Like international students can stay, can still stay in the United States even though their colleges are going fully online. And I would say um, another obstacle that I was facing was also the fear of losing my F1 status because I got a notification that during the fall semester, if international students were not able to attend those attend the colleges that have hybrid classes, both in-person and online, then uh, they would lose their F1 status and their I-20 would be terminated. And I thought to myself, I worked really hard to get that F1 status and that I-20. And so just the fact that me not going back kind of hurts me specifically, just kind of, kind of like scared me and made me feel kind of angry a little bit. But I understood what, I understood like why they had to do it. It's part of guidelines, but still, it's it's kind of kind of sucks. And for you, who's pursuing a marine biology degree, how important are those in-person classes for you? Since I can imagine that it would probably be a lot more difficult for you to achieve the same results or gain the same experience through purely online classes. Well, it is extremely difficult. I know like how I learned specifically as a marine biology degree student, I focus more on hands-on experience. So online classes don't really work for me. And that, that sucks. <laughs> like I prefer getting out there in the field, actually examining things, talking to my professors like in person, like, you know, us just going through things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult to learn that or to like get the full experience with online classes. And from your perspective as an international student, what are some concerns or worries you may have for returning to school? So many concerns, especially coming back to a school in Florida. Now, because like we talked about before, Florida does have like a pretty high case number. Like there are a lot of cases in Florida right now. And I, I'm so afraid to go back because I fear that I will get COVID-19 because I'm going back to a hot spot, you know? And like, of course, I'm going to follow protocols. Of course, I'm going to do social distancing, wear a mask at all times. I'm even going to have my little bottle of hand sanitizer just to be safe. But I know there are going to be some people out there who are not wearing masks, not following protocol, just not doing anything like no social distancing whatsoever. And it's, those are the people that I'm kind of afraid of, but yeah, that's, that's just really all that I fear right now. Well, thankfully from prior interviews that I've personally done, there has been talk about certain procedures as well as information that we've been receiving from the president of the university talking about regulations and guidelines that the university is going to try to uphold and ensure for all students' safety. So hopefully that won't be a concern for international students or local students. However, in your opinion, what other efforts or actions do you believe should be taken to ensure international students' success and safety this fall semester? I would say... Uh, better enforcement of these 
health protocols and whatnot. I'm pretty sure that the university is doing a great job. Like I've seen all the emails that the university has sent me. They talked about all types of social distancing matters and uh, wearing a mask at all times whenever you're on the campus and whatnot. So honestly, right now, I think the school is doing a pretty good job. But um, finding support to international students, I know a lot of them are going to be afraid to come back to the United States. And a lot of them are probably might be even shaken up by the whole ordeal or pandemic like the world was in chaos for a couple months like people need to realize this and not many good things happened in those couple of months so i'm pretty sure maybe coming like international students coming to america they might be in a bad mental state or just need some help so just providing those that help to international students would be in the past couple of weeks, we've talked with many individuals who either regional students to professors to many different counselors. Have you or do you plan on utilizing the many resources offered by your school to assist in your returning, such as counselors, the International Students Department and academic advising? 100%. I think it's kind of crucial for international students to seek out help from these counselors from the international student department and academic advising just because right now everything got turned topsy-turvy and really just knowing that i have these sources of help like offered by my school i just think that that's such a good thing and such a great thing so of course i'm going to do it i hope other international students do it too because they are there to help and they will never turn a person away some type slogan. Well, thank you so much, James, for taking the time to speak with me and having the chance to voice your opinions and concerns in terms of your perspective as an international student who will be returning to campus this fall semester. Of course, we hope the best for all students who are returning to their colleges, universities, schools, and of course, we encourage everyone to stay safe and practice proper procedure that is instructed by their specific university or institution. For Music Release Radar, we're looking at the collab of Moonman and Slim Shady, better known as Kid Cudi and Eminem. The single dropped Thursday, July 9th at midnight, following tweets from both artists along with the drop of the music video. The Adventures of Moonman and Slim Shady is the first time both rappers have teamed up on a track, and I'm personally a huge fan of the video and its creative, dramatic comic art style. The music video wasn't the only surprising element of the single. Eminem also made references to anti-maskers, in his verse as well as George Floyd and Ahmad Abre toward the end of his verse. The single has received above average reviews, especially among hip hop fans. And among his lyrics, Eminem also shout out Lil Wayne and Snoop Dogg after talking about his own sobriety. And many may already be aware of Eminem's opinion of kneeling during the national anthem and made this point even more clear by calling out Dre Brees after the controversial statement made on June 3rd by the NFL star saying that he will never agree with anyone disrespecting the U.S. flag or the country. All in all, I was a huge fan of the single, and I would recommend it to anyone who's a Slim Shady fan or anyone who has been keeping up with Kid Cudi's music as well. As previously stated, the song is a collaboration between Eminem and Kid Cudi, making this Kid Cudi's third song to be released this year. Within the song's first verse, Kid Cudi makes a 
reference to his collaboration with Travis Scott from the single that was released in 2016, Through the Late Night. These being the exact words used by the artist in his new song with Eminem. Out of the three songs released within this year by Kid Cudi, one of them was a track with the previously mentioned American rapper Travis Scott. This single between the two artists was titled The Scots. But going back to Eminem's work with Kid Cudi, due to the word choice by the moon man Kid Cudi, articles took to announce Kid Cudi was not in favor of the outcome of, of Slim Shady's addition to the track. As Kid Cudi said that Eminem destroyed the song presumably in the connotation of other phrases like he nailed it, killed it, and so on. Yet reports took this as a form of unsatisfaction by the moon man, which led Kid Cudi to announce on his socials that this was never the case and he meant the complete opposite of what was being assumed, as he really enjoyed the production that came from his first time collaboration between himself as an artist and Eminem. And here at Radio X, we are more than happy to announce that former top artist Austin Riddle, mentioned on our fourth episode of Radio X Off the Record, took the time to join us on this episode's artist interview. And although we did mention at the end of last week's episode that we would be having Folktale San Pedro as a large band, they did want to have all their members present rather than a couple, therefore have taken the time to find when they can all come on and speak to us. Going back to this episode's artist interview, to start off, we asked Austin Riddle about the beginnings of his musical interests. My interest in music came about very young. I was around five or six when I started playing classical piano. You know, from there on out, I was probably playing classical piano for 10 years before I even decided to um, start recording music when I was 15, 15 or 16, and, you know, just kind of blossomed from there. So I guess I really started recording music and producing about about four or five years ago. It is known that you were formerly a classically trained concert jazz pianist. How was that transition into becoming a solo artist? I guess it was, there was just a lot less competitions. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of how I started out was just um, always trying to fight for a spot that I could attain. And it just kind of, it was weird. It was a weird transition because there was no, like, there was no spot to hold. I guess everybody has a has a place um, in releasing music because it's so attainable and accessible. Um, so that was probably the weirdest thing for me is like trying to navigate my goals and trying to navigate my milestones um, because, you know, everything's just kind of free form in this side of music. You know, I don't have like awards that I can win really at this level. And uh, that was kind of the kind of a cool transition too, because I'd always been interested in music that wasn't classical or jazz. Um, although I loved, I love classical and jazz um, music. There's a lot of, there's a lot of aspects of it that I could carry over. Um, and when I started recording music, you know, my my chordal knowledge and, you know, how music was set up and and how it worked and the theory behind it was already there. So um, I just kind of hit the ground running and. Um, you know, started progressing pretty fast. You mentioned the aid of your former classical music career. How did that help and kind of influence your current state as an artist? It really, uh, it kind of kept me grounded in, you know, I guess knowing um, and, and having a feeling of, you know, what's too much and what's not enough when I'm creating. Being a classical musician really helped me have an ear um, and I guess I guess the biggest thing that classical music helped me in is is shortening my learning curve. Like I, I would say my my learning curve was 
you know, just a lot shorter just because I didn't have to start recording music, learning how to sing in key and learning how to hear pitches and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that really carried over cool um, in a good way because, um, you know, I was just set up to to really um, perform in a manner that would make it easy listening. You know, whatever music I was making was easy listening just because, um, you know, I wasn't worried about not being on pitch or not being, you know, being able to record on tempo. Um, those kind of things, just the technical stuff uh, really helped shorten that learning curve and, and help me progress faster in that way. Speaking of progression and your music, you've released a single back in May titled Navy, which was featured on Radio X's Discover Weekly playlist. What was the process like in creating this track and what made you decide that would be your single for this year following your album Sanctuaries released back in February? So I guess this single for me was kind of a like Sanctuary was a really fun project and it was um, kind of um, me expending my range as an artist and songwriter and producer. But Navy for me was kind of like a consolidation of everything I've learned up to this point um, from a technical aspect. I mean, obviously the song has meaning behind it and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, I produce and mix and write. I mean, I do the, the entire song from the ground up, you know, from production to writing to mixing and engineering the song. Um, so I feel like Navy for me, when I when I actually completed it, was a level up in the way that it sounded just sonically was probably my my best sounding song to date. So that was just a really cool, cool thing to have after that after that mixtape, because, you know, it was a good mixtape. It was a solid mixtape, um, but I really wanted to come back with with something better than I've ever done. And I think sonically. Um, Navy kind of holds that spot. And so what was cool about it was I was learning a lot of new things. Um, and I, I think the most that I'd ever learned about mixing and engineering was in that space between Sanctuary and this song releasing. So, um, you know, I learned a lot of cool things about vocal mixing and a lot of things about balance and all that kind of stuff. And I really kind of wanted to show that off to my fans and just kind of, um, I guess, showcase what I learned up to that point and, um, and what sounded good to me. You mentioned learning a lot between the release of the album and then your single. Was there any interesting stories in the process of recording Navy that you'd like to share? Yeah, what's what's cool is uh, I look so I look up to um, Justin Bieber's engineer uh, Josh Goodwin, and I and I was you know listening to everything that he did and his mixing, and I just I really like his sound and and the way that he that he puts things together sonically. Um, so I I went on like a deep dive search on everything I could everything I could do to just sound like his mixes you know um so I just really wanted that um that vocal Christmas that I'd never really had before um and that was just a huge journey for me um and also you know the if you listen to the song it's it's very bass heavy to be a pop song it's very bass heavy so you know I would go back and forth from the car you know just trying to crank it so that you could feel it but but also not enough to where you know it was overshadowing anything else in the mix so that was a really cool experiment to to make a pop song that just had that much 808 and that much sub, you know, that much that much lower end coming out of the out of the speakers. Um, so I think sonically that was just the coolest experience I'd had um, mixing and um, getting new plugins and all that kind of stuff, all that you know nerdy stuff <laughs> that um, audio engineers are into. You know, I had a I had a lot of cool um, experiences just 
gaining knowledge on that and um, experimenting with different tools. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. You mentioned a term, I believe it was Christmas crisp or Christmas sound. Just for our listeners who aren't necessarily uh, sure of what that means, could you kind of elaborate? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess what I mean by that is like, you know, when you when you hear like, the biggest difference for me when I hear somebody who maybe is an industry you know, artists and, and has been in the industry for a while and record labels are really putting out their stuff versus an artist that's kind of coming up in the independent game, kind of figuring out their way around things. Um, the biggest difference that I hear is is almost single-handedly the, the vocal mixing. And what I mean by vocal mixing is just sonically how the voice sounds coming through the song and how it sits within the song. Um, a lot of times you'll hear muffled, uh, muffled vocal tracks and sometimes you'll hear you know too bright and all that kind of stuff but when I say crisp I mean something that's not overshadowing the rest of the of the instruments like in the track but the record sits well with the vocal track so like when the vocal comes in it almost has a very crisp sound to it uh, meaning that a lot of the high ends are up and a lot of the low ends are taken out and then the mids are you know properly um, put according to the singer you know that always changes according to the singer but um, you know, that Christmas, you can just, the crispness, I guess that's kind of a hard word to say. You could just, um, you can just hear it in a track and it's um, very noticeable and recognizable. Um, and I guess any, any song you're hearing on the radio or anything that's top 40 and popular, they all have that crispness, um, some more than others, but that's just kind of what I'm going for. And in Navy, you can, you can hear me actually going after that. Um, I would say it's crisper than any other song I've released up to this point and definitely more to come with that um, with that kind of mixing as well. Um, with enough the actual production of the song to kind of get more into the meaning behind it, what would you say was your intended message in Navy? So I kind of, just to give you a backstory on like how I, how I write music. So I always start with, I'm a very melody heavy artist, I'd say, um, meaning that I always go about a song sonically 80% of the time, I'd say. Sometimes I'm really feeling something, I really need to get something out and it's it's, you know, very personal to me. Um, but this song was was really just, I mean, I was just grooving with the beat so much and I made the beat first and the melody followed. And so basically, you know, I was coming up with some words and just kind of had something that related to me. And it's just basically being, I guess, infatuated with somebody else and at the mercy of um, the way you think about somebody else. So um, I guess it's just, it's a fun, you know, fun summer summer tune and and it really kind of shows through the the guitar loops and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah the meaning the meaning for this is just being just an, just just an ode to infatuation i guess since you mentioned how the song is kind of an ode to infatuation a month afterwards the song was able to get an official music video for the single which was released on your youtube account yeah. it was a quarantine edition type of video which leads me to ask um how was it like recording this music video so it was actually a lot of fun um it was kind of a i wouldn't say spur of the moment idea but you know the the ideas we had you know kind of pulled together we we wanted to have you know a big a big video shoot and um you know have all these locations but due to um covid there was no real um way to make that happen especially at the time um when we were so like we had no idea what it was what the virus was capable of and all that kind of stuff um 
And so basically what we did was we just got the studio set up. I mean, just how I would have it recording. And we got, um, we recorded the video on my phone actually. And I had this idea because I wanted to have cool effects and stuff. And I didn't really have the means to make that happen, you know, because we didn't have our editors and video and videographers and all that kind of stuff on board. So it was just um, me and one of one of our team members. And we just recorded it with Instagram filters. And as you know, you probably know, like the Instagram filters, when it sees a face, when the camera sees a face that has all these effects that you can choose from or whatever, and it kind of follows it and does it for you. Um, so I used that and a couple other apps and, and really just built the whole thing on my iPhone. And it was, it was kind of cool too, because I always wanted to use an experiment like that. I always wanted to know, like, if I had everything dwindled down to just an iPhone, what could I really do with a music video? Um, and I mean, pull it off. I mean, it was, it turned out really cool. Obviously not like some insane quality with drone footage, all that kind of stuff, kind of music video but um, definitely definitely better than I expected from an iPhone video um, and I think that was the coolest thing about it is we just shot it on an iPhone so from an experimental standpoint and just having a quarantine video it was relatable too because it was like everybody's sitting here stuck in quarantine so I might as well make a music video with a phone you know that's all I've got so on deck so it was really cool that's a pretty fun and interesting take on how to make the music video on an alternative if quarantine wouldn't have occurred was there a planned music video and what was the intended route for it? Yeah, I mean, in, in my mind, I, I wanted to have like dancers and, you know, the whole nine. Um, I, even, I even started pulling together dancers from my high school because I went to a fine arts high school. So, you know, we had a dance department, creative writing department, music department, theater department. I know so many artists, you know, in the city. And so I just reached out to a couple of dancers and they were down, um, you know, but this was right before everything got shut down. We didn't really know what was going to happen. But um, yeah, in my mind, I was thinking like full on, you know, maybe six or seven dancers and choreography and, you know, crazy lighting. But maybe next time since you did mention maybe next time is there any upcoming additional projects that you have in the works that we can look forward to yeah so um we've actually got a song called rip city that's um supposed to be dropping in early september um that's that's what we're shooting for and so depending on you know what what the virus is looking like we we might be able to get a video out it's not looking great right now <laughs> Um, but you know, we'll do what we can, but it, it, it is a, it is a really fun song. And like the crispness that I was talking about, definitely bringing it with that song as well. It's got a, um, very eighties vibe to it. Early nineties kind of vibe, kind of like some, you know, just very pop R and B. I like to think that I'm kind of not bringing pop R and B back, but you know, I, I feel like the pop R and B crossover genre is kind of being left to just a few handful of artists. Um, so I kind of want to bring back, you know, that that vibe kind of heavy, you know, like like Whitney Houston and, you know, Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye, you know, that was just the the solid pop rock crossover Prince, you know, so this song has got a lot of, you know, I'd say a lot of Prince and Michael Jackson elements, um, a lot of guitar, a lot of funk you know funk beats and funk drum patterns and just a just a really cool vibe all the way through so i'm really excited about that should be early september you've mentioned just a handful of influences into your music would you say that they've also had an influence in just your music career as a whole from back even piano to now as a solo artist yeah i mean um you know when i was growing up um piano was always kind of seen as like not like it It wasn't the nerdy thing to do, but I always thought it was really cool. And I kind of wanted to bring a, a fresh element to 
just being a piano kid, you know, like a lot of the kids that I, you know, that I would play piano with, none of them were really into anything that I was into. Um, you know, like I, I grew up listening to, you know, Bob Marley and Michael Jackson and Chris Brown and Justin Timberlake. And um, those were kind of my influences. Obviously, I listened to the classical music I was I needed to listen to to, you know, really be on top of my game for that that world. But I really had a lot of influence in uh, pop culture. And, you know, like I would talk to my friends when I was little and when I was, you know, just young high school. Um, about you know the things we were into and everybody else was into just piano and all that kind of stuff and I was into basketball and I was into you know um, art and dancing and I was really into singing you know I was I was always a singer um, growing up so you know my interest kind of kind of caused me to bring that to piano and I kind of I talked uh, to my long-term teacher and professor that I had in high school that um, taught me piano and she she always had like this idea that I was going to make piano cool again or whatever. So that's kind of, um, it's kind of an underlying goal of mine just to kind of bring uh, pop culture to that world and um, bring classical piano to pop culture. Um, just kind of be a tool in bridging that gap, I guess. You've mentioned a couple times your high school. We have also had some artists who do mention how high school has been an aid or an influence because of the connections there. Would you say, since you did go to a school for the arts necessarily, that many of your professors, like the one who wanted you to make a piano cool again, and other connections that you've made have helped kind of push you to be an artist or just in general helped you on the path that you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um... And I got, I give a, a lot of credit to the music department at um, the School of Fine Arts here in um, Birmingham, just because, you know, I, I never felt like, I never felt like classical or jazz music was the only thing I could do. Um, you know, all, I really was all of my professors um, and all of my teachers there were always super, um, super supportive of me pursuing pop music and R&B music. Um, because that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And even during high school, when I was still in competitions and stuff, you know, I talked very openly with my teachers about, you know, this, you know, I want to be, I want to sing and produce and make pop music and R&B music. And, um, you know, the chair of my department and um, the choir teacher, the jazz teacher and my private piano teacher, they were all very supportive um, in that and really um, helped me grow into that. Just because I never really felt like, I never really felt like that was a dumb thing to do. You know, that everybody, I would say everybody in my, in my circle always supported me. Um, I don't have any of those stories where like people are like, no, nah, man, you couldn't do it. Or like, you know, I, I just don't really have a lot of those stories to be honest. Um, I just was very lucky to be surrounded around people that um, were supportive in my craft. And even I remember my English teachers and science teachers, they all knew I made music and, were were like man that's dope and then when I come back to the school they're all like you know we're proud of you and we see what you're doing we see you're making moves and actually chasing this um so that's really good to see and good to hear um and you know I have a very good relationship with um with the professors and teachers at my high school so we keep we keep in touch and another thing that's good about my school is I was very fortunate to be at a place where there there's I mean, the talent that comes out of that school is is really ridiculous. Like when I look back at my senior class alone, 
Um, there's so many people that I can, that I can hit up for art. I mean, I know people that are making crazy art and, and have it in galleries. And I know people that are knocking down doors in the dance industry and um, in the music industry, just like myself. And so I, I really have a lot of, um, I'm very fortunate in that aspect because I have connections to a lot of people that are going to do, be doing a lot of cool stuff in the, in the upcoming years. So um, a lot of the people that I grew up with are doing dope stuff. I mean, they're just killing it in their craft and, and I'll, and I'll always have that connection. That's why I say like, it's, I'm glad I was, I'm glad I was nice to people in high school. Cause I'm probably going to need them later. <laughs> so. Yeah. Very true about how important connections are. Mm-hmm. Additionally though, you did mention having the pop and hip hop kind of genre be associated with yourself as an artist. Do you feel eventually as you progress in the music industry, will your sound change or do you plan on kind of sticking to this sound so that it can reemerge. You know, um, it's kind of just wherever it takes me. Um, I have this weird thing where I'm kind of hesitant to pick a genre or really talk about what genre I do because I don't really want to box myself in. And I know a lot of people say that, but I really, I really have the ability to make, I mean, a lot of different types of music. I mean, I've, I've made, I've made country songs that I haven't put out yet that are dope. Like, you know, like I just, I don't know. I feel like I can, I can kind of play into many different genres. Um, so just kind of, kind of whatever I'm feeling. And I try to, I try not to go off too much because I feel like I don't want to confuse people, but at the same time, I don't ever want to put myself in a box and people say, pick your lane and stay in it. But I feel like maybe I could create a lane that is full of different lanes and, you know, maybe that could be my pull as an artist. Maybe that could be what intrigues people about my music is that every time a song drops, they have no idea what it's going to sound like. Maybe that could be cool. Maybe not. Um, maybe I'll have to change up my strategy on that. But as of right now, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about um, music just in general. And I have a, a deep joy for music that, that really catches people. Um, so whatever that sound in, ends up sounding like is whatever to me, as long as it's captivating. And, and I'm, like like I said, I'm melody first, so sonically, that's where I'm going to begin with. A lot of people are lyrics first, and a lot of people are, you know, chords first. But for me, um, something that's always going to click with humans is um, the sonics of a song, like the way it sounds. If somebody doesn't speak the language, doesn't speak English, because most of my songs are going to be in English, um, I want them to still be able to gain something from it and feel it, you know. Um, I think it's important to be captivating to a large audience, even though I don't want to cast some wide net and just try to, you know, be the guy that wants as many ears on his music as possible. I mean, that's great and wonderful. But at the same time, I really want to um, I really want to provide value and add value to somebody's listening experience. Um, and, and obviously, you know, I'm a writer, so I really care about the lyrics and I want them to be um, to make sense and I want them to be impactful but more than anything is is the music in and of itself because um, that's the most that's the common denominator um, between all humans is we all can feel that whether your lyrics make sense or not you know um, so as long as I'm keeping that in mind I think the genre will kind of come to me more than me chasing chasing a genre 
So that's that's kind of how I feel about it. That's for sure uh, an important way to see it. I know that we have a DJ here at our radio station who would probably be interested to hear how that country music comes out. But additionally, just so that our listeners know where to find all your music that is currently released, what are the many platforms where we can find your music? So really any platform that has music, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon, Google Play. I mean, any streaming service um, that plays music, SoundCloud, I've got a um, a cool SoundCloud collection because a lot of stuff on there um, isn't on Spotify and Apple Music. I've got some cool covers and um, just dope experimental stuff that I've been working with. Um, and that's just kind of where I put, you know, singular ideas. But but yeah, any anywhere where you can where you can play music, just look up Austin Riddle, R-I-D-D-L-E, like a poem. And uh, yeah, all streaming platforms. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this interview. We look forward to any upcoming music, especially the release coming out in September. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Now we've brought DJ Ya Boy Mike to give us this week's top artist. Hey guys, this is your boy Mike on Radio X Off The Record to give you this week's top artist. We would like to give a special thanks to Cosign and Counter Records for sending us the Midnight's latest album, Monster. The album was released last Friday and had an electric sound, featured on almost all the tracks of their album, just like that of their song Deep Blue. Be sure to check out the Midnight's track Deep Blue from her latest album, Monster, on Radio X's Spotify account at NSU Radio X in our Discover Weekly playlist. That's it for this week, but tune back in next Friday for another exciting episode of Radio X Off the Record, where Harissa will keep us up to date on the latest shark news, and you won't want to miss our personal interview with next week's artist. Did you think we were going to tell you who? Can't always say. There has to be an element of surprise some episodes. As always, follow us on social media at NSU Radio X on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and as previously mentioned, our new Snapchat account. So you can put a face to all the names we've mentioned as well as Radio X's weekly updates. <laughs>